0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Enigma Zone. This is Laura coming to you live. I'm just kidding, I'm not live. Um, I am drinking a beer. I was drinking some Pinot Grigio with, um, it's like with this sparkling water. We buy these, these like 12 pack of sparkling water, but we buy one that's like sweetened. It's like mandarin flavor. We usually buy one that's not sweetened and I mix them both like uh, Pinot Grigio white wine and the sparkling water and it's pretty good, but I don't know. Maybe it's too sweet. You know, I'm trying to be healthier. <laughs> it's not going well. So I'm drinking a beer instead. I'm trying the Samuel Adams Oktoberfest Hardy and Smooth Beer. I have been looking for the Samuel Adams Seasonal Beer forever. I first tried it at Dave & Buster's with Phil. And it's the most delicious beer tasted tasted there you go it's a weird day i mean apparently there's a storm coming towards the coast of texas and everybody's freaking out i'm already in my little house i'm praying to baby jesus that they cancel work (laughs) i'm kidding it's sunday today it's five o'clock i'm having a beer i'm hoping i mean i love my job i just would like not to go tomorrow you know what i mean so maybe they'll cancel who knows I went to the store earlier this morning because I know how people in Texas get. They go crazy. There's a little storm coming. There's a hurricane. Um, whatnot. People go crazy. The lines in the gas stations are long. They empty out the stores with no water. So I went early this morning while Phil was asleep because he wakes up late and I wake up really early. So I went to the local Walmart and just stocked up on this big case of a pack of like water bottles and I didn't buy any more beer, but I should have so we're waiting the rain we live on the second floor So I don't think we will need sandbags people are distributing sandbags around town Because of flooding, uh, so Let's hope that we go on unscathed Anyway, it's been a weird day. Um, I was exposed to, um with covid at work Last week, and I, everybody was freaking out, with direct exposure, but obviously that doesn't really matter, allegedly, so I got tested, and, um, I'm negative, thankfully, I didn't have any symptoms, just, but I have been feeling, like, super low energy, but I'm always low energy, but now I'm more low energy, and I don't know, gosh, it's been, it's been such a tough time, but anyway, To this episode, I'm coming back with another true crime episode as I thought, or just when I thought that my, I don't want to say obsession, but love for true, fascination for true crime was waning. I bumped into this story and I was like, what the F? And it kind of pulled me back in, not all the way into true crime, but definitely to the point where I want to make an episode. I know that many of you who listen, all my three followers (laughs) i'm kidding there's more than that i hope so i don't know unless i don't know no there's maybe like six um (laughs) you guys like true crime so that's those are my most popular ones i think and i've been doing a lot of reviews on tv shows mainly because of work and uh, laziness i mean i don't know i don't have an excuse um but anyway we're talking about issei sagawa it's spelled i-s-s-e-i Sagawa he was a Kobe cannibal or is the Kobe cannibal this case is weird it's fascinating I just spent the last hour watching also a documentary on this cannibal it's just a WTF it added to this weird Sunday day and um I what the f okay so Issei Segawa was born April 26, 1949. He was born in Kobe, Japan. He is currently 72 years old. And he is best known for being a Japanese cannibal slash murder slash necrophiliac. Is that even the right? Ending on that word. So, he was known to have killed a beautiful French woman in 1981 in Paris, France, and eating her corpse. Wait. Okay. This is crazy. I'm going to tell you the story as much as I can while I'm eating some... What's it called? Beef jerky. Drinking some Samuel Adams beer. Wait, I didn't finish telling you the story about the Samuel Adams beer. Okay, so... This, the one I'm drinking is Oktoberfest beer. It's a special edition, I think. It's not the seasonal. I remember trying the seasonal beer and it was so, it's the most delicious beer I've ever had. i The most, best way I can describe the taste of the Sam Adams seasonal is like a blue moon on steroids. Like amazing best beer I've ever had if you like that type of taste. But this one, unfortunately, it's not that good. I mean, it's good, but it doesn't taste like the seasonal. I don't know. Try it out anyway. Okay, so back to Sagawa. The thing that makes this case extra fascinating—we've known a cannibal or two, we've known a serial killer too, you know, all sides of the world. The thing is, one, this guy's still alive, and two, he is walking free. He was never really convicted. He never really did time for his crimes. He was let go declared mentally insane but let go to walk into society and currently has been free for a long ass time he has um he loves the media attention he has capitalized on his cannibalistic ways yeah He's he's an author. He's a writer. He is. I don't even know if he finished his PhD, but at the time of the murder, the cannibalistic murder he committed, he was doing his PhD in France. It's just, and he has still says how he cannot suppress his urge to kill again and to eat human flesh. Oh my God! I spilled all the beans before. Before the um. Like the appetizer here it goes so on record isai sagawa best describes his childhood as a perfect childhood he states how he grew up in a beautiful home humble home in, um, in tokyo japan or either kobe japan one of the two um he has an older brother or younger brother he has one sibling and he grew up in a wonderful home with his mom and dad he was prematurely born so he says that his appearance and his health has been impacted from his premature birth. If you see him, he is under five feet tall, just under. He is a, a small, small man. <laughs> this case is weird. But okay, he describes his childhood as the best. His parents uh, uh, raised him with so much love and affection, and he regrets nothing of anything of that. Like I mentioned, he was born prematurely and he supposedly was born small enough where he could fit into his father's palm. He developed enteritis, a disease of the small intestine. And if you see him, he looks, not only is he petite because, you know, we've all seen a petite man or or the other, but he looks like, I don't want to, gosh, like he might have some sort of form of dwarfism, but apparently he didn't stay whether he did or not. But I don't know, without you. So apparently he has had a complicated health life. He received uh, treatments with calcium and potassium and saline throughout his life in order to Get him to be stable enough and recover from his preemie status, but that didn't really stop him based on all the things he did because aside from his small stature and wavering health, he was pretty... What's the word I want to say I don't want to say fully intelligent because if you wait and hear about the crimes and what happened, you're like, what the fuck? This guy's like an idiot. But then he's like also doing his PhD in literature in France. So it's like low-key i think we're all like that we're kind of smart but we're kind of dumb too so i mean i don't know this guy's no exception you know he states that he since a young age started fantasizing about eating women about uh cannibalizing white women especially western women he describes his fascination with western women and kind of um points the finger at all the like kind of hollywood kind of stereotypes like grace kelly all of those um hollywood actresses who fueled his fantasies he recalls seeing even some classmates of his at one point or another and seeing their like thighs and just looking at them and having this unsatiating herb herb (laughs) oh my god drink more beer laura urge i want herb Urge to eat them, to bite into them, to like ingest them. And he also states in the documentary that I watched, you can find it on YouTube. Apparently, Vice did this and it's called the um Meet the Cannibal or something. Just Google his name, YouTube his name, and he's gonna pop out. He basically describes that he also points a finger at his parents a little bit, even though he had the perfect childhood. He states how he grew up in an, in a world or in a generation where the word sex or anything relating to the sexual functions, the sexual desires a puberty, all of that stuff, was never talked about in a household. Well, say, I say, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Sagawa, I'm going to call him Sagawa, Yo, you were born in the 40s, I was born in the 90s, and my parents are like that too. So, I mean, we never talked about anything regarding sex, puberty, anything like that, but that doesn't make everybody into a spirit killer and into a cannibal. He basically stated that he was weird from the jump. Like, he knows he's weird. He embraces it. He leans all the way in, and he kind of... It's fascinating because throughout the entire documentary and reading... On uh researching his case, he never appears remorseful whatsoever. He the way he talks about the crime he committed, his urges, his cannibalistic tendencies, his fantasies, his he knows he's not well, he knows he's crazy. I think at one point they supposedly tried to diagnose him with multiple personality disorder. Aside from being mentally unstable, but there was never really a clear diagnosis. And it's a weird thing. I don't know. That was my phone. If you heard that, noise, was- But anyway, back to the childhood sexual stuff that you don't talk about at home. He basically states that his parents never told him how to masturbate or anything like that. And when he got his first direction, he found it to be very strange and he did not know how to relieve. I don't know if that makes any sense yuck and he was even to bestiality because he would let the dog you know poor dog and he has the cutest little puppy in that documentary somebody save that dog i think it probably is in heaven now because um this documentary was done like 10 years ago but he has the cutest little doggy, and learning about all his crazy stuff it's like gross somebody called Peta as i'm eating beef jerky but okay so Sagawa attended the Waco University and completed a master's degree in English literature at the Kwanzei Gekun University. I butchered that. I'm sorry. And by the age of 24, he was attending this university in Tokyo, Japan. And he had his first incident or impulse that he wanted to act out on. So on the internet, I found that he apparently followed this woman home. This um, German woman broke into her apartment while she was sleeping and he wanted to eat her. He wanted to eat her, butt. he had like a fascination with butts and not like the salad tossing thing. (laughs) I'm going to hell. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry. But he did. But the, you know what? And he tried to slice off her butt while she was asleep. The woman woke up screaming and pushed him off her. And they eventually captured him. He did not make it out alive. Well, he did make it out alive. But they captured him by the police. And he was charged with attempted rape. The weird thing I found about this story that deviates from the research. And the research. I'm going to use like the true crime YouTubers. to say they research and they like Wikipedia it. I'm going to use that word because I actually did a, a lot of research in my heyday to earn my degree. And I think I have some credentials. <laughs> I'm kidding. And to show my commitment to this Japanese case, I am eating these Japanese peanuts that are covered narrow habanero uh, pepper. Like chili and they're so good. Am I screaming into the microphone? I'm sorry. So anyway, the police caught him. Obviously, he didn't say that he was gonna eat the woman, that he was trying to slice off a bit of her butt, but he I kind of went with the flow and let them accuse him of attempted rape. Like I was mentioning before, I deviated to another subject. In the documentary on Vice, the channel Vice, I think it's like that. Isn't it a magazine? Or was? He basically states that this woman lived with in the same apartment building as his grandmother did. And that's why he was able to sneak into her apartment. He doesn't state how exactly. And the, the thing about this documentary, that's a whole nother enchilada, is that they interview him and they go into his home. And the way he explains all of his crimes and his life and his fantasies and all that stuff is in a way, is very gosh i don't want to say very poetic but he definitely sees himself in this kind of i don't want to say victim mentality but kind of a little bit and you can tell that he's a writer like the way he just describes himself he's written a lot of books one book apparently was very gruesome that it was pulled from the shelves and he can't get it published anymore he showed a lot of pictures he took pictures of his victim he only killed one woman um but i mean one is enough because he took pictures at every stage of her um what's it called when he quartered quartered her apart and he was eating her and he put it there it's he's weird he's fucking weird But after this attempted rape charge, his dad apparently came from money because it alludes that to the fact that he kind of got him out of a lot of weird shit he got into using money. Apparently, Sagawa's father paid a settlement to this German woman and the charges for attempted rape were dropped. So in 1977, he moved to France at the age of 27, 28. And that's where he decided to pursue his PhD in literature in Sorbonne, France, and I know in Paris. I mean, and I know I'm butchering it. I'm sorry. So he also confesses that once he moved to France, he kind of felt more liberated in a way and felt more confident in pursuing his crazy cannibalistic sexual desires endeavors. He It's weird because he kind of... Well, I guess it's not very uncommon when it comes to serial killers and cannibals like Jeffrey Dahmer and all that. um, That he kind of equates them, puts them together. That there's a correlation between the two. Between cannibalism and fetishes about eating people. But yeah, like I mentioned, he in a weird way kind of puts himself in this kind of victim mentality. How many times have I said kind of? A lot. So... Once he moved to Paris, he enrolled in this PhD program. So he wasn't all that dumb, but he made some dumbass choices. And I mean, thankfully, he did because it kind of led to his capture. But you, you think you're like, what the hell? But okay, so he confesses that also because he was prematurely born and he was a very small man under five feet tall, you know, he had a lot of health issues and kind of he felt that he was undesirable, unattractive, and therefore he also has oh, played in the little violin, little violin, or violin, that he, he equates that, or contributes that to also being a factor in him being accountable and doing all this crazy stuff. So he states how he would pay prostitutes most nights to come home with him while he lived in France pursuing his PhD and he would try to kill each of them with a gun but it would fail he would freeze up he would be very skittish like so then it comes to the point where you're thinking like okay so this guy is a weird interesting not in a not in a nice way like figure because there's a lot going on like he felt almost remorseful skittish like he couldn't go through with it. But unfortunately, there came Renée Hartvelt, and once again, pronunciation, I'm sorry. So Hartvelt was a beautiful French woman, not French, she was Dutch, sorry. And she was his first and only true victim. Obviously, the woman in the apartment was also a victim, but this is the only person that he actually managed to kill and cannibalize. So Renee was apparently also getting her degree at the same school as Sagawa. And she was a very sweet woman because he managed to pursue her in the sense and convince her, befriend her, gain her trust, and have her come over to his apartment a couple of times in order to help him with an assignment. He basically states that he invented this assignment that supposedly um, one of his professors wanted him to translate poetry for an assignment. And I think I read somewhere it was German poetry, and this woman, Renee, knew how to do it. So she... Went on and uh, went to his place and helped him with his assignment. So Zigawa wanted to kill her. He wanted to eat her. He basically shares how when he first saw Renee, he couldn't even look at her directly. He didn't even want to because he didn't want to be caught staring at her. So he drew a portrait of her, and it's a fucking awful portrait i mean he's not a very good artist but he drew a portrait of her and would automatically fantasize about having her about inhaling her and the way he describes what he wanted to do to her and his and just women in general that he wanted to eat was like he wanted to inhale them and become them and it was just an interesting he's an interesting little dweeb so he was four foot nine to be exactly, and oh, here's what I wanted to say. He c- apparently claims that he wanted to absorb her energy. She at the time was 25 years old, two years younger than Sagawa, and was five foot 10. He was four foot nine. He also states that he liked really tall women, and I guess that he kind of alludes to that fascination about of pursuing and eating tall women as kind of a balance of power on his end because he was so small because he felt unattractive and that was his ideal of beauty and conquest I guess. So, he basically states that after she went to his apartment, she went one day and he tried to kill her while she was sitting on a desk. She never knew it. The thing is, and he has pictures. It's so bizarre. He has pictures of his apartment in the documentary. He has, like, this huge photo album. It's huge. And he has everything, like, super detailed, organized. Like, oh, this was my first apartment. And he has so many videos and pictures of his childhood. Um, It's... He's definitely his own number one fan, i tell you that much. But apparently this desk, he lived in a corner apartment. Very cute, by the way. And her desk, his desk was facing the wall, like touching the wall. So she was doing whatever it was, a homework assignment. And he came from behind her and held a rifle towards her neck. Not directly, she never knew it. And he wanted to pull the trigger one night and he couldn't. He could not bring himself to do it. So he didn't do anything with her. The following time she was at her apartment, the way I took it was it was the subsequent night. The same thing happened. She was sitting at the desk and while he came up out from behind her, he held his rifle. And finally, this one time on June 11th, 1981, he shot her in the neck, killing her instantly. I mean, despite this horrible... Horrendous murder and tragedy the one solace that I think everyone can see in this case for Renee's sake is that she never Knew it was coming. She never she wasn't Alive while she was tortured or anything like that. He just shot her and it was lights out She was gone. She didn't even know what hit her. He says how she was so heavy that she just fell to the floor immediately and collapsed and after that he undressed her. He put a rag underneath her head while it was bleeding profusely. She was immediately dead and he began to assault the corpse. He had this all premeditated. I mean, like I said, he was obsessed, borderline obsessed with Renee. Um, he had fantasized about killing her and eating her and the reason why she was selected was because he was just fascinated with her beauty he says that she was so beautiful and she was to him he she was the epitome of health and beauty and that was that So, as soon as Renee's corpse hit the floor, he assaulted her. He then began to take off her clothes. Well, probably before that, but again, his fascination with a female rear was pretty noticeable because that was the first thing he wanted to do was bite her buttocks. Like, eat, eat that part. And he states how he sank his teeth into her butt and... They were not sharp enough, obviously, to break the human skin. Then he tried to use a fruit knife, which was unsuccessful as well. So he left the body in his apartment and went to the local store, bought a butcher knife, and came back, and then began to once again tear off or cut off her butt cheeks. Something that was so fascinating that I read about and then I saw in the documentary was how he describes the... The process not the really the process per se but the texture and the i guess anatomy parts of the human body or the i don't know i'm not i don't know about biology let's be honest but he says how you know he immediately was so fascinated and shocked that he thought that he would immediately hit the meat he wanted the meat but when he started cutting and slicing into her buttocks all he saw was this. Uh, fat, that those layers and layers of fat underneath his skin that it almost looked like corn. Um, kernels of corn, that's what he describes it as. And it took him a while to reach the meat part of it, of her body, to eat it. And he sh- he states how it was so difficult, more than he thought about that it would be to butcher and cut up and reach the desirable parts. But Anyway, Sagawa consumed Hartville's body parts, not all of them. He stored some of them in his refrigerator. This happened in June, and because of the heat, he was worried that the body would, that this heat, and I can't imagine they had any AC back then at all, so it would speed up the decomposition process. So he did cut off some of her, one of her breasts, and even split her torso, kind of decapitated her and ate various parts of her body while he stored other parts in the fridge and went out to buy two suitcases and stuffed some other parts in there to get rid of them. And he basically says how he wanted to eat, or he did eat raw and cooked parts. He has no remorse about killing Renee. The only thing that he expresses... um. Any remorse about it is the fact that he didn't kill her while she was alive. Wait, that made no sense, Laura. That he didn't eat her while she was alive. That his next victim, he wants to eat them while they are alive. I think at one point before that, he, before he killed Renee. He states that he waited so long, 20-something years, to eat human flesh. And he just, it was an obsession at that point. He Before that, he used to try to suppress his urges by various re- um, ways, I guess. And it was never enough. But he finally gave in and planned it all. So... Like I mentioned earlier in the episode, Sagawa took various photographs of Hartveld's body at every different point when he was cutting her up, when he was eating her. Um, And these, you can find them on Google. They are in the documentary. They are in your face. They're disturbing. They're horrifying. You know, this poor woman. You know, she... I can't imagine the family of the victim. I wish that... I don't even know if this is a thing. I'm sure it depends on like on the country, on the state. I don't know whether the family has any say on whether these photographs are sealed to the public or not. Because God, I hope I'm never in that situation whatsoever. Um, But if that were my family member, I don't think I would. I would not want those photos to be out on the Internet for everybody to see regardless and they are very disturbing and he used these photographs in his in his one of his books um i think you can get your hands on some of his books if you really look into it I'd, but as far as i know publishers now refuse to publish them but at one point they they did and he got paid pretty good money to get interviewed to become a foodie a food reviewer he worked as a food critic in japan and tokyo for a while um reviewing sushi restaurants and other states um he did softcore porn where the actress that he did it with she wasn't told his past or who he really was it, it we'll get into that later but anyway so He did keep some parts of her body. He wanted to get rid of other parts, so he stuffed her into a suitcase and went to a nearby lake in the. uh, I I'm not gonna even try to pronounce this. Bo de (laughs) ballon. jeez okay, it's b-o-u-l-o-g-n-e woolen it's a large public park that apparently was right across or next to his either apartment building or his university where he worked beer break beer break to clear the throat and soothe the soul <clears throat> sorry so this guy here it comes the here comes the part where i tell you guys that I mean, there's some sort of level of high intelligence because he's getting his PhD and all this. But here you're like, what the fuck? Like, dude, how stupid are you? But good thing he was because in the attempt to dispose her body, he stuffed her in a suitcase. He called a cab and told the cab, like, come pick me up. I need to take this somewhere and carry these suitcases that were leaking blood they were leaking blood i can't imagine how much blood i don't know whether there was any blood that was actually left in the taxi but he says that these suitcases were so extremely heavy they contained her torso and her legs i think and he told the cab driver that he was just carrying very heavy books um the cab driver was like okay weirdo whatever pay me my money And then the thing is, he went to dump her body parts before sunset when at a public park where there were so many people, children, the sun wasn't even setting, he wasn't even wearing a a disguise, and he was carrying these big, two big ass suitcases that were leaking left a trail of blood he came to this park got out of the cab and everybody stared at him he said every the park was full he's like then and there i realized my mistake like that i you know he was dumb like why would you go dump the body well before even sunset when it's bright outside there's so many people and everybody was staring at him carrying these huge two baggages and he kind of Describes how he goes towards the lake, towards the water, and tries to throw these cases into the water, into the lake. And I just, just made it as the sun was beginning to set. And here again it goes where it's so fascinating and weird how he ties to his story and the way he tells it into this poetic kind of bizarre thing. Because he says as he pushes these suitcases, I think it was up a hill. Down a hill towards the lake. The sun is setting across the lake, you know, facing him. The sky turns red as the sun is going down for the day. And it just mesmerizes him. It kind of blinds him, the beauty of it. And that he just remembers how kind of everything stopped. And he was just, she just felt such. He didn't really say peace or anything like that, but the way he described it, it kind of reminded me of that. It was just an awe-struck moment, and he remembers um, that there was a child across the lake with his grandfather, and that just as he was, like, spacing out, being super floating away into the, you know sunset with the baggage going that way towards the water a man next to him was like yo is this your suitcase and I'm sure they didn't sound like that because they didn't sound like a hillbilly they live in France so I don't know this was in France no offense to any hillbillies I'm from Texas okay and the guy was like yo is this your suitcase bro and, he, and the guy and Sagawa was like out of his fantasy in the sunset he's like what and he freaks like, oh, my God. He then realizes that these suitcases were leaving a little trail of blood. They were leaking. And one of them, I guess, had managed to kind of hit the water flow away, uh, float away, while the other one was laying next nearby him with this guy, this park goer, um, standing over it and asking him, like, is this yours? So he got freaked out. And he said, no, no, it's mine. So the guy opens the suitcase and screams and screams at a nearby people like murder, you know, and Sagawa freaks out and he just walks away. He said that the first thing that this um part goer saw was a blood sh- a sheet covered in blood as he opened the suitcases and he was immediately arrested. Wait, no, he actually walked away and he was arrested four days later. And here is like, what ha, here comes like, what happened? How did France drop the ball? Did France, France drop the ball? Did Japan drop the ball? Like, why, what happened that this guy, Sagawa, got away basically scot free? Is that even a saying? I don't know, I'm making it up. I thought it sounded but good, but I don't think it does. Because he was arrested for days after trying to dispose of Renee's body, he was then taken charged with murder and a bunch of other things. He was sent to a French prison where he stayed awaiting trial for over two years. And in the process of that, he recounts how he was interviewed by a myriad of like multiple psychologists and psychiatrists. And one of them found him to be having multiple personalities, but I. I don't think that was the entire diagnosis. It was way more. And they basically found him to be legally insane and not within the right state of mind to even stand trial. So he says how the, the French people didn't want him there. He didn't want a foreigner there wasting their tax dollars or something of that nature in their prison. So this led to the French government to deport Sagawa back to Tokyo, Japan. But in the websites that I've read in my intensive research, <laughs> just kidding. It basically states that um, after a Japanese author published this um basically account titled In the Fog about Sagawa's murder and cannibalism. It grew into this crazy-ass frenzy that the French government decided to get rid of him and deport him to Japan um, to an institution. But the thing is, before that, I do have to clarify that the french declared him illegally legally insane and that they basically sent him convicted him in a way they never used that word so it's kind of confusing like he was convicted or he wasn't he never was tried or no but i guess not because they wanted him to be in a mental institution forever and where he deserves to be and they were deported his as ass to japan and japan i don't know what happened there um this is the account that i read so in the Vice documentary where Sagawa he basically says that the French government dropped the case like he they um got rid of the charges. So there's some indis- uh, inconsistencies there. I lean more towards this written account than Sagawa's af- out of his own mouth but he was sent back to Japan and he was put in an institution there and they basically evaluated him and stated that he was fine, that he was not legally insane. This is Sagawa's account that Japan evaluated him and this was their conclusion and they kicked his ass out of a mental, the mental hospital free to the world for all time. However, in the, um, articles that I've read and the accounts that I've read and searched up online, they basically state that France wanted to deport him and in the process they sealed all of the documents and accounts of what happened, of what Sagawa did and therefore Japan was never able to Find the documents and the charges that s- per- permitted to Sagawa, and therefore they let him go from a mental institution. Like, it's there's some discrepancies there that I it's a little confusing, but it seems like it's uh, he said she said who's pointing the finger at who. I mean, I think they're both at fault for a certain. To a certain extent, but he has been free ever since, so basically, aside from this two years that he was waiting trial in a French prison um or, or in a French jail i there is no i could not find a definite number of additional years he did for his crime, either in a mental institution or otherwise. So he got away with murder, not even murder. He got away with cannibalism and he wants to do it again. So if you find yourself in Tokyo, Japan, you need to watch out. Okay, he is 72 and now he is supposedly bound by or to a wheelchair and he is ill. Um, His health is declining. So I guess in that sense, they... One could argue that he is not really a menace to society anymore but he wasn't always like this while he was free he was let go pretty early on after he committed this murder and who knows if he's even killed again the way he says in the documentary is basically that he has not and that he still suffers from these crazy urges um, this documentary was done like 10 years ago so he was 61 at the time And he's basically stated how he suppresses this cannibal urge by masturbating. Now he's into, he's graduated from his white woman phase. Now he's into Okinawan women. So Okinawan women, watch your back. Hide your kids, hide your wives, hide yourself more than anything. Beer break. so in the process or in the subsequent time after he was released from the mental institution in japan he capitalized on his murder like he went on like i mentioned talk shows he went on he wrote several books he did some comics comic books depicting his crimes and his life and his fantasies that were actually published, and he keeps them all like he's freaking George R. R. Martin writing *A Song of Ice and Fire*, like, and he in his little apartment, displaying everything. Incredible! Like, it's weird. He went on. He was interviewed. All these crazy stuff. Like, he wrote articles for magazines. They, he says that they paid him at one point like ten, twenty grand for an article. So, he leaned in. He basically does say that because his case became very famous in Japan after he was released, um, and was walking free, that nobody wanted to give him a job. I mean, can you blame them or anything like that? So this was his only resort to, um, what's it called? To, Earning a living wage where he can survive was um, doing all this crazy stuff in interviews and stuff like that, that he didn't really love doing, but low-key he did because he was a writer, you know, he was into that stuff, Um, that that's what happened, so... So yeah, he did some softcore porn, things of that nature. In 2013, Sagawa was hospitalized, and he was diagnosed with a nervous system, um, an illness attacking his nervous system called cerebral infarction. infraction infarction. Did they misspell that? That was them, not me, as well. And he basically is tied to a wheelchair. He now is set to live alone and needs assistance. Supposedly, his brother is the only caregiver, and he even asks his you know the brother asks the cannibal like would you eat me your own brother and he doesn't reply like he's all blank staring crazy so uh, it's definitely a an interesting case so he's um living and kicking it still he's in his 70s and there was never any true justice for rene um whatsoever because he was like go let walk free and you know what this isn't the first time I hear about that because um I think there was another case that's another true crime I think it might have been a youtuber covered a while ago about a Japanese I think it was one kid or two I don't remember that they were killers they're serial killers but because they were under 18 everything was sealed they did their time which wasn't very much and they're out walking free (laughs) so Japan, get it together. So, Sagawa is probably one of the most obscured, but yet famous cannibals. I mean, watching this, the documentary, all the stuff he did, all the opportunities these, all these different people gave him just to for entertainment or shock value or whatnot. It made me really think of like, yo, where is your like, where is the ethical part in all this situation where you're giving this um, voice to this cannibal who did horrible things, has no remorse, has no regret. That's the same thing, sorry. And like says that he still wants to do it again. He's trying to control his urge, but he doesn't know if he'll ever make it. Like he says that before he dies, he wants to eat another human being again. <laughs> the hell? So, that is the story of Isai Sagawa. So, in my search or research of this case, like I was saying, um, I thought it was really in bad taste for me, I found. it Like, all these either artic like magazines or outlets or people trying to give him opportunities. Just I know they want to know the story and to interview a cannibal and a serial killer is in that type of environment because it has happened. They've interviewed like um John Wayne Gacy. Did they? I don't know. But you know the famous serial killers and cannibals. Um like Dahmer. But they've never interviewed one and had this type of content with one like Sagawa because he is out and about living <laughs> thanks door to people like he like dude even like pedophiles have more restrictions than this dude had like nothing crazy crazy <clears throat> so this is a quote he he basically shared it says And I quote, it's simply a fetish, he said. For example, if a normal man fancied a girl, he'd naturally feel a desire to see her as often as possible, to be close to her, to smell her and kiss her, right? To me, eating is just an extension of that. Frankly, I can't fathom why everyone doesn't feel this urge to eat, to consume other people. (laughs) He maintains, however, that he never thought of killing them, only gnawing on their flesh. This is from all that in all that is interesting dot com. Yeah, so if you have an opportunity, you're not too queasy. I don't think you are. If you're listening to this episode and this type of content, go look up is- Issei Sigawa Aize. They have different pronunciations of that name. And the oof, the photo section, image section alone is very jarring because. It has so many evidence of the, like, pho- photographic evidence of the victim. And it's high quality and horribly disturbing, you know. Wow. Ugh, no. Hopefully, I don't have any nightmares. So, without further ado, thank you so much for joining me in today's case. I hope I wasn't too um obnoxious. Please go ahead and subscribe to my... To my youtube channel i don't have a youtube channel i don't know the one the podcast apps that i use do have a subscription box where you subscribe to certain uh, podcasters so if yours has that please subscribe please feel free to give us a five-star review and apple um i thought somebody was coming the apple app and i will talk to you soon oh one more thing i do have another podcast called modern cal it's called it's spelled M O D E R N. Second word K H A L. I and me and myself and Philip we review TV shows. We want to review like um, the new Game of Thrones. Mo- uh, what show, not movie? We reviewed um, Sex Life on Netflix. See, I'm all skittish. I'm in the apartment alone. Like Philip went to work out, and I now I'm watching like weird, crazy stuff on on the internet. And now I'm now I'm scared. So if you don't hear from me, call nine one one. Okay. Anyway, in modern Cal, that uh, podcast, we're gonna review other stuff like that have nothing to do with true crime or anything like that. I'm thinking about removing the episodes I have here about like review, like TV reviews and movie reviews, and putting them on that podcast just to keep it separate. But yeah, thank you so much. I truly appreciate your listening to me talk and say stupid stuff you can follow me on twitter i have a twitter it's l-o-r-a-p-n-c no wait that's not it is it hold on just to keep them separate so you can also follow me on twitter my twitter account is laura E T C. L O R A E T C. why does it sound like somebody's walking out the stairs Oh my gosh, let me go see. Okay, thank you for listening. Talk to you soon, bye.